Hello friends, here we are again with Irreverend Sermon Audio. Today I'm going to be commenting on the story of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. And that story can be found in chapter 19 of Luke's Gospel, in the first verse, all the way to verse 10. And as always, I'll read it out now. Speaking of Jesus, it begins, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus, He was a chief tax collector and rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not on account of the crowd, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So, Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, a wealthy an important man, no doubt, but also despised by his fellow men for his greed and his sinfulness. I want to begin by observing a recognition that must have taken place within Zacchaeus's heart and mind. The story reveals, firstly, that Zacchaeus, of course, loved money and prioritised it above all else. But second, because of the action that he takes, I think it's fair to infer that he recognised that this life, this prioritisation of money, power, perhaps status, perhaps importance, that it was insufficient to fill his soul. And this shows us a profound truth about the spiritual life. It begins with a recognition that the world cannot fill us and that only God can that the things that we use to try and fill our hearts, to try and make ourselves feel peaceful, ultimately happy, that these things cannot provide what we perhaps want them to, and that only God can. So Zacchaeus loved money, and as I say, perhaps importance, perhaps status, but we must ask the question about ourselves as well. What are we inclined to look to for our ultimate comfort and peace and meaning if it is not God? Do we think to ourselves, well, if only I could have that particular thing, if only I could get there, if only I could have this, then I'd be happy, comfortable, secure when I get it. It's quite a good question to ask to uncover the idols of our hearts. And if that thing that we want, that we think is going to bring us that ultimate meaning and satisfaction. If that's not God, then we will be like Zacchaeus, whether we realise it or not, unsatisfied and in need. The pre-Reformation spiritual writer Richard Roll says this, Since the human heart is capable of receiving God alone, nothing less than God can fill it, which explains why lovers of earthly things are never satisfied. That's a profound observation that in many ways is repeated in the spiritual writings of the church and the scriptures themselves. The human heart is capable of receiving God alone. 
Nothing less than God can fill it. And so when we try and fill it with something else, it doesn't work. This recognition of our emptiness is a good thing because it's from there that we can move on to something better. And again, we see that in the story of Zacchaeus as he takes action, as he moves towards something new. Tells us in the third verse, Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was. He wanted to know, he wanted to seek, he wanted to search, he was open. And that's a good thing, that's a good place to be. Zacchaeus ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And this is the most curious and, and idiosyncratic detail of this whole story, this, this short tax collector. An important man, but nevertheless humbling himself by climbing up a sycamore tree. And again, there is something spiritually significant upon this. It tells us that the, the crowd got in his way, so he had to do something. He had to break free from the crowd. He had to be willing to show humility. He had to be willing to do something different. Perhaps people were looking at him. Perhaps people were laughing at him. And yet he did it anyway. He was willing to make that movement of the heart and the mind and the will because he wanted to see Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have to do the same thing. If we're to live a Christian life, if we're to follow Jesus, if we're to seek him out, sometimes we have to break free from the crowd. Sometimes we have to climb the sycamore tree of humility. So there's recognition of spiritual need. There's movement of the heart and the will. And then the story continues. How does Jesus respond to this chief tax collector, this short man climbing up in the sycamore tree? It says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So this was clearly a reaction that the crowd weren't expecting. The crowd indeed murmured and they cast judgment on Jesus for going to the house of a sinner. And yet Jesus shows grace to Zacchaeus, such grace to even honour him with his presence in his home. So what do we learn well, look, grace comes first. Now, we read later in the story about a transformation in Zacchaeus' life, but observe the grace of God. Observe that the grace comes first. Zacchaeus did not have a perfect life at this point. He was in the tree. He was seeking, but he was still the chief tax collector. He was still wealthy through ill-gotten gains. He hadn't sorted himself out. He hadn't cleaned his life up, and yet he was met with grace. So the spiritual lesson I think we need to learn from this is that God is seeking not a perfect life, but an open heart. God is seeking not a perfect life, but an open heart, a heart which is willing to seek him, a heart which is willing to search out Jesus and to be open to his presence in our lives. Now we come, Christians, People who have been Christians for a long time, people who have been Christians for a short time, people who are not even Christians. We come to a place like the church. We come to God in prayer, not full and ready and able to give God something, to give him our righteousness, but with our sins still clinging to us, with our brokenness, with our poverty, with our wretchedness, with our spiritual blindness, we approach his throne of grace because it is for him to give us mercy, to save us and to forgive us 
in Christ. That's the way it goes. Again, Zacchaeus, he wasn't sorted out when he sought out Jesus, and yet he was met with grace anyway. Friends, we too do not have to, cannot, in fact, sort ourselves out and make us worthy before we come to Christ. Now, it's an instinct which sometimes appears in our hearts that we try and sort ourselves out and we think to ourselves well you know if I could sort myself out if I could sort this sin out in my life or if I could stop this particular habit then I would be acceptable to God but the fact is that's not the way it works because you're trying to do that in your own strength and we need the power of God in our lives to truly change you'll just weary yourself trying 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 to feel worthy as a result of your own efforts. No, resist that urge to think, if only I could sort myself out. Come to Jesus Christ in all your need, with all your sin, with all your trouble, with all your brokenness, just as you are, and you will find grace. Let me repeat, Jesus does not require a perfect life before he comes to us, but he requires an open heart, a repentant heart, yes, a willing heart, yes, but not a perfect life because we cannot have that until we have received his grace. So if you're not doing something because of that thought, I'm not good enough, may I invite you to set that thought aside and to take that step towards Jesus in faith, as we see Zacchaeus doing. There's a final step then in this story. We've seen grace, and now we see the transformation afterwards. Zacchaeus says to Christ, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, how come this transformation happens? This is a really important question. We should resist seeing this in a transactional sense. Well, Jesus has come into my house. Jesus has come into my life. The presence of God is now with me. And now I owe God something. And so I'm going to give him my righteousness. And I'm going to give him my obedience. Friends, this is wrong. This is not the right way to think about it. No, what happened is that Zacchaeus was met with the presence of Christ. And that presence... That gracious presence was so precious to him that it transformed his heart. And so he no longer desired to live with the benefit of these ill-gotten gains, to worship money and mammon and his own sense of pride and egotism. No, Christ offered him something more, the grace of God. And it was then a choice. Who would he worship? What would he worship? What would be his master? Would it be money and this empty, futile life that he'd been living before? Or would it be Jesus Christ? Because he sensed and he knew that it could not be both. And this is the reality, that when we experience the grace of God, we know that we have a choice. And it is, in fact, the grace of God that enables us that transforms our hearts so that we can say no to sin and yes to God because we want God more. We want Christ more than we want sin. And that is the profound truth that we see in this story. Money, wealth, the pride of possessions and status, these have all lost their luster now for Zacchaeus. 
He no longer wants them because he wants Christ more. He values the presence of Christ more and nothing is going to get in the way of that, even if he has to give away so much of his wealth, so much of what gave him earthly comfort. Again, friends, we should be encouraged to make the decision to say no to sin and yes to God, not out of a legalistic sense of trying to make ourselves worthy, but because his presence is so much more valuable than what the riches of the world and the other things that we can indulge in in a sinful way offer to us. And finally, we hear at the end of the story that Christ tells us the essence of the gospel, the good news that the church has to proclaim to the world. Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. Notice again, son of man did not come to seek those who were already perfect, those who had already sorted themselves out, but the lost. The great patristic writer St Augustine comments on this passage, all were lost. One man without sin came. He would save them from their sin. All were lost. You, me, everyone, all of us lost because of sin, alienated from God, without hope, without direction in this world. One man without sin came. There is one man without sin. It's not you. It's not me. It's not anyone else. It's Jesus Christ. One man without sin. He would save them from their sin. Only Jesus Christ can deliver us from our sin. So, like Zacchaeus, recognise your need for Christ. Move towards Christ in faith and seek him out, even if you haven't got yourself together, especially if you haven't got yourself together because God is seeking an open and willing heart. Receive his gracious presence in your life, experiencing his forgiveness and love. And be transformed for a joyful life of loving and serving him above everything else. Amen. Friends, thank you for listening to Irreverend Sermon Audio. I hope that you have found this sermon in some way helpful. And I look forward to being with you again next time. 